house. Welcome, everyone. Um, if we can uh, sit down as you can. Yeah, this is great. I love I love all the hugging and, and talking and fellowship. That is awesome. Uh, and isn't this a great, brisk morning? This is so nice. We have our first uh, dusting of snow. And this is great, everybody. Uh, it gets you in the mood for getting things done for Christmas. Um, this morning, I'd like to continue reading out of the book of Ephesians. Um, and Paul's prayer. Last week, uh, I talked about that Paul was praying this for the churches. So it, it behooves us to think about what Paul is praying for the churches. And because we're asking ourselves, many people are asking, what, am I, what should I be doing? What can I do now? What can I do in the body of Christ? Where, where should we go from here? Mm -hmm. And the same place we always go to the Lord, the absolutely same place we always go. For Paul is saying here, for I always, always, I love that word. I always pray to God, our Father, our Lord, the God of Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him, by having the eyes of your hearts flooded with light, so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you, and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and in this world, but also in the age and the world to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills him in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. Heavenly Father, we so thank you for what your son Jesus Christ did for us. We so give you the glory and the honor and the praise. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. He took everything for us so that we could be conformed to his image. He has done everything, everything. And Lord, help us to do what Paul has said is seek wisdom and revelation and knowledge and keep looking to Christ. Keep our eyes focused on Christ and he will bring us into freedom, into health, yeah. 
into everything that we need pertaining to this life. In Jesus' name, we give you all the honor and praise and glory. We thank you, Father, so much. Amen. Just a couple announcements. Uh, it snowed. I don't know. Is that an announcement I need to make? You probably all noticed that. <laughs> we were literally decorating the inside of the house for Christmas while it was snowing. It was a Christmas miracle. Oh it, my it was magic, and we loved it so much. We were dancing around the house. The cat went insane. We're not sure how that's going to go. We have a kitten, for those who don't know. And... Uh, he acts like a kitten most of the time. And so, I don't know. Christmas decorations. We're, we'll see. We'll see what the house is like when we get back from church. A um, couple quick announcements. You all know the offering box is back there, along with the email sign-up if you want to get emails from us. And if you are watching online and want to get emails from us, just re reply to the information on your screen, and you'll be able to do that. And um, thank you for those who are giving online. We really appreciate that. And there are people that I've never met that have given online, and thank you very much for that. We appreciate that. Paul and I appreciate that. Our salaries come from, from that, so we certainly appreciate it. And people who like to have lights and heat uh, who show up here in person appreciate that as well, right? Um, and a couple announcements. We have a tech team meeting coming up soon. Talk to Tim Duick about that. CJ's gone this morning. Talk to Tim. Um, thanks, as always, to all the tech folks. Isaiah, way to go, man. Thank you. Um, yes, clap, that is appropriate. Uh, prayer meeting this Tuesday at 10.30, right back there at that table where Esther is. And those who can make it during the day for a prayer meeting will do that. As soon as there are enough people who want to pray at a different time, like evening, we can do that too. We're, I'm always up for prayer, so, you know, let me know. Um, today we're going to have a special duet from, I don't see her. She's probably practicing. <laughs> uh, eating donuts. Even more important, uh, uh, Leah and Roya. Is that how you pronounce it, I assume? Leah and Roya are going to do a cello duet for us, and it's going to be lovely. And so we'll, we'll do that after, after worship. And after the service is done, we've got lunch together. So please stay, fellowship with each other. There will be plenty of food, whether or not you brought something. And Paul, you want to, or Karen wants to share, actually. You want to share something, Karen? And then Paul can take us into prayer. I think the theme is thankfulness today. And you can weave that into just about anything, I think. But what I wanted to share was um, for those that maybe have um, remembered Richard Wormbrandt or the movie that was out, Sabina, is his wife. It was out just this last week. That's why it's on my mind. And I know in the women's prayer group, Anne was saying she got to meet her or heard her speak. Sabina, when I first met her, she was in the back of our church uh, back in California, just putting uh, her husband's books out one of the books is Tortured for Christ. Um, and I want to speak more about her uh, today, share about Sabina. Uh, 
Uh, she also had to go to jail, as well as her husband, who was there a long time. She didn't. She wasn't there as long. But the the peace and the joy that was emanating from her was so catchy. I I just wanted to be near her. I just kind of stayed with her in the back for a while, till the service actually started, and and then I had to kind of go up front, but. We were also privileged not only to have them in our church, but go to their home in Palos Verdes, which was only 15 minutes from our house. We didn't realize that they lived so close. They had been given a home, um, and it was up the hill, and uh, we just were so thankful. We went there right before we were to come here, and I had had the brakes on. And just that, mm, I wasn't completely, my heart wasn't completely saying, okay, Lord, wherever, wherever you want to send me. Leaving California for Minnesota. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, even though my roots were back here. My mother, my parents were still there. And uh, my sister, who had just had her her baby, and so it didn't seem right in my own mind and my heart. Well, Lord, the timing of, and what? What is gonna be happening back there and where? And so as uh, we walked into the home, I got off a little rabbit trail here. Sabina welcomed us with just joy and a beautiful smile, and, and I felt very welcomed as I brought my children, and she brought out books and toys and and uh, something to eat and drink. And Paul and uh, Pastor Richard were talking. It was a wonderful fellowship time. And as we were leaving, I must have said something to her that I was uh, a little uh, concerned about moving. And what she did next, uh, she was shorter than I was. She just cupped her hands around my face like this, you know, and looked into my eyes and just said, you are blessed to be a blessing. Just like that. That was all. That's all she needed to say. <laughs> that just permeated into my heart. Okay, that's right. It put everything into perspective. <laughs> Oh my, coming from Sabina who had suffered so much. And uh, she just said it with, not with, you know, uh, mm -hmm. scolding me, but she was giving me um, really an exhortation that was an encouragement at the same time. And you know, my mother, I have to say, is the one also that was so encouraging to me. So thankful, always thankful, everyone that knows her. In Japan, Mama, you were so yeah. thankful, yeah. always thankful. And so the, the, the two women there just gave me so much encouragement. Be thankful and um, see what the Lord can do through you yeah. and you. Yes. And uh, do you remember that when he preached, he didn't have any shoes on? Yes. He was barefooted. And we asked him why. He said, because he couldn't handle f shoes anymore. Because of all 14 years in prison and often being beaten, 
uh, it had done a number on his body, and so he was barefoot when he preached. What a, what a powerful couple we were privileged to know. So we want to pray for people. We believe in healing. Nice to see you back, Janice. We missed you for, it was three weeks or so, and nice to see Anne back. We, we prayed for Anne and for Joel, and Joel is better. It didn't look good for a while. Uh, it looked really close there, and it's wonderful now that uh, he's getting his strength back, but it'll take some time, uh, quite a while. You know, I've been talking with your son, Paul, and uh, they're uh, thinking quite a while, so we'd love to see him back. Tell him we love him and uh, are, are uh, continuing to pray for him. So let's uh, pray together. You have a surgery coming up in uh, the end of this month, right? Yep, uh, sinus surgery on the 30th. And is that, what, what, what's it? Uh, it will hopefully help. Because okay. uh, of my genetic condition, I have, I'm basically fighting up a sinus infection all the time. And so that's kind of been problematic uh, my whole life. And so uh, the ENT said, some surgery might help, and so we're going to do that. I've known for years that it was, you know, going to happen, and I've prayed for healing and gave God plenty of time, I feel like, um, and he chose not to heal it, so we are going to allow healing through medicine, which is also from God. So uh, that's November 30th, so I hope to be here the next Sunday. I mean, it's supposed to be a minimally horrendous surgery. That's a technical term. <laughs> Minimally horrendous. <laughs> right, Sarah? That's a technical term? Categories. There's yeah. categories. <laughs> so, if you feel comfortable doing it, just put your hand up and beam it, beam it toward Nate. We thank you for Nate. I thank you for Nate. I thank you for his leadership in our congregation. I thank you that he dares do what he's doing in spite of what he has gone through and is going through. We thank you that he's a victor, not a victim. And we bless him in that. We pray for this surgery, Father. We pray that it will do more than they think it will do. We pray that it will do more than he thinks it will do. I pray that you will, you will use this surgery. He's stepping out in faith to accept this. And so use it to do something wonderful, something special in his body, in his spirit. Uh, when we thank you for that, we bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. And we bless uh, Masumi and John. Masumi is, uh, well, we talked with them last night. John is still feeling it, uh, the results of, of uh, COVID, I believe. Right. And uh, so they're not here, but we uh, pray for them. We pray a blessing on Masumi yes. and on John. We pray, Father, raise him up. Give them strength. We pray against any other potential problems, any infections of any kind. We, we trust you to care for our brother. And any others, Father, that we don't know about, we thank you that you have revealed yourself as a healing God, not just as a saving God. How wonderful is that? but you're also a healing God. And so thank you that you care for us and you want us well. You want us strong. And we want to be strong because we want to influence people for Jesus Christ. We acknowledge before you, let's take a moment now just to prepare a heart 
for a time of worship. We acknowledge before you our great need that uh, we need you. We're, we're not independent. We, we struggle. We, we need your help. We need your strength. We need your forgiveness. And so we come acknowledging that, that uh, we have often broken covenant by thought, word, and deed. We, we acknowledge that and we say, please forgive us, have mercy on us, and uh, release us into uh, fresh life in Jesus. Fill us with your Holy Spirit as we set our heart to worship you. We bless you this day. We thank you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, Andrew noticed something while we were praying for the sick. Andrew, what did you notice? This way, into the mic. The, the sun came out and started shining through the window all bright when, we were, when Paul was praying for healing. So <laughs> I like that. I don't know. It seemed cool to me. Let's stand up and worship the Lord. The Lord likes to go from cloudy to light. Yes. He likes to make uh, graves into gardens and such like. So let's pray. And as we pray through and worship through this song, um, think about what are your own things that you need God to change in your life in the lives of those you love. And it's important to take a step of faith sometimes and to thank God for what he's not yet done. Amen? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the substance. So there's substance to it, to what you hope for, what you believe for. And so we believe for many things like healing. We believe for the prodigals in our family to come back. We believe for uh, the people in our lives who are blocked by deception or have some sort of walls up and nothing seems to get through. We believe for those to come down and for God to get through and for them to have revelation. So we believe for those things and we thank God for them yeah. even while we're still waiting for them. Amen? Yeah. All right, let's worship the Lord. And I search the world but it couldn't fill me Man's empty praise Treasures of faith Are never enough But you came along And put me back together And every desire Is now satisfied here in your love there's nothing there's, there's nothing, nothing better than you lord there's nothing better than you lord there's nothing nothing is better than you So I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws, Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend, as the God of the mountains, is the God of the valley. There's not a place 
your mercy and grace won't find me again there's nothing better than you lord there's nothing better than you lord there's nothing nothing is better than you there's nothing there's nothing better than you know there's nothing better than you Lord there's nothing nothing is better than you you turn morning to dancing you give beauty for ashes you turn shame into glory you're the only one who cares you turn mourning to dancing you give beauty for ashes you turn shame into glory you're the only you turn graves into gardens you turn bones into armies you turn seas into highways you're the only one who can you turn graves into gardens you turn bones into armies you turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. One more time, graves in the gardens. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. You're the only Nothing is better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Thank you, Lord. <coughs> you can say something about that song. Good songs are good poetry sometimes. And that's good poetry. You turn graves into gardens. You've got to stop and think now. Okay, when did that happen? You turned seas into highways. When did that happen? So you think about it, and that's just what happened. There's some Bible in there. That was a highway for Israel to walk <coughs> through. It was a sea and God turned it into a highway. So those were good words. They were, weren't they? Yeah. I like them. Let's do some more good words. Okay. 
in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Hope from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. Raise a hallelujah. Raise a hallelujah. Raise a hallelujah. I 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 raise a hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you, God, for everything that you have done for us everything that you are doing that we can see and what we can't see. And we have faith that you'll move every mountain or you'll help us over it. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. We often do this at the end, but we're going to do it now. I want you to receive the blessings of God as we sing this. And I also want you to pray the blessings of God on one another as we sing this. Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you.
be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and their children and their children and their children be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening and you're coming and you're going and you're weeping and rejoicing he is for you 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 is for you.
Father, we thank you that we've already been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, according to Ephesians. Help us to learn to walk in those blessings day by day. Help us learn to reframe our mindset to realize we are not oppressed and persecuted and under siege. That we are blessed. We are already victors. We're princes and princesses in your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to be a blessing everywhere we go. Whether we feel like it or not, whether we're having a great day or not, help us to realize that your spirit, the spirit of the living God, is with us everywhere we go. And so we bring you with us to the grocery store. We bring you with us to work. Help us learn how to just let you loose wherever we are. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to say when the time comes to say something to somebody. Trust. Trust in the Holy Spirit. Before you sit down, reach out to a few people and greet them. There are new people here, so you may need to learn some new names. But uh, look around and uh, find at least two people that uh, are new to you. Sorry, did anybody have a word? I forgot to ask. Uh, Leah and Roya, you guys can come up and set up. got one already. Rafiq is going to pass something out. If you want to read this, uh, as you're listening to some beautiful music, you can read it. It'll set you up for the message. You're going to give the message. I'm not going to give it. We're going to give it together. And so uh, uh, if you have a chance to read the notes about gratitude as we're uh, getting ready here, and then as uh, we're going to have a very special number. Let's say thank you to our worship team. Every, every week we're led by the worship team. Can we say thank you to them for their music? Can you imagine what it would be like to be deaf? You'd have to, you'd have to hear the music in your head. There are people who are deaf and don't get to hear what we just heard and to take part in it. So I'm going to ask uh, Esther if she would come up. And we've got some uh, people sitting here and we've got some people sitting here. So you introduce. Good morning, Lydia House. Thank you so much. We have, um, today we're honored to have um, Dia and her best friend, Roya and the cello teacher, who's also named Lydia. How coincidence is that? And also Roya's parents, Mala and Iraj, and their baby anymore. But Mira, they're here for the first time. And um, you know, a few weeks ago, I think Pastor was talking how about how we use our passion and giftings. 
And I just felt like these two girls have so much more in them musically that have been hidden. So we are hoping and praying that they're going to start uh, you know, using their gifting and passion more. And they have two duets here, and they have been playing for about a month now, Miss Lydia, right? A month, four times. Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. I should not be spilling that, but just appreciate them, their music, and hopefully they'll be back for Christmas. Oh, Thank you. Okay. Uh, what? Uh, yeah.
How'd you like it? Wasn't that beautiful? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you the truth, I didn't expect it to be that good. <laughs> I didn't, I, because they're, they're learning and yet they're moving on. How long have you played? Uh, like since fourth grade. <laughs> okay. And uh, like three years. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. That was really special. We're going to put our hands on you now and pray for you. I was going to say, I, I have no idea how this works, except I have a sister that plays violin, and then we had a wonderful missionary friend who played cello, and we've been looking forward to this because these are beautiful instruments, and you ladies are beautifully playing this. And Lord, we uh, thank you today for the privilege of having them uh, here with us yeah. and for us to be able to worship uh, with them with these two hymns. Uh, we so enjoyed that. And Lord, we pray that you would bless them, give them uh, much joy and hope in you and encouragement yeah. in you. Yeah. Thank you, Father. And, yeah. and not quit. Just keep, keep playing. Keep going. Get as good as you can because it blesses other people to hear you. Yeah. Amen. Okay. I know you didn't really read it because you were listening to them. You couldn't, you couldn't read it. Read it together. And uh, once a month, we do what we call 1 Corinthians 14, 26, which is someone has a word, we share it. So we're doing kind of that today. Uh, I am not going to preach. We're going to talk together, and you're going to share. And do we have mics out there? I've got one. Is there another mic sitting out there somewhere? There should be. Uh, in fact, I'm going to put this on so that we can have a couple mics out. Where's the other mic? I know I've got one. I'm going to put it here. And we'd like you to participate, but... Light is on, and uh, this is a season to be grateful, right? We hope that that uh, touches us throughout the rest of the year, but it's wonderful to have a season when we particularly think about the truth of gratitude. And so I did something, even before I thought uh, it might be something I'd want to preach on, I look back at the people whose Thanksgiving was, you might say, off the charts. It was so off the charts that they turned it into a song. David turned it into 51 verses. That's quite a word of gratitude. 
and um, Moses uh, turned it into a song. So uh, we're going to read these together. I'm going to ask somebody to read. Someone come to the mic and read the first one about Moses and Miriam. And uh, you guys get ready to come to the mic. If you have your Bibles with you, turn them to Exodus 15. And Andrew can run you the mic if you need it. Sweet. Okay. All right. Number one, Moses and Miriam did. Moses had 18 verses to his song after God miraculously delivered Israel from the most powerful army in the world. God did it without any help from the nations, from the nation or its warriors. Moses began, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he, he has become my salvation. An entire nation saved, and an entire army drowned. Quite a time of rejoicing followed. Miriam took the first verse of the Song of Moses and danced with women, accompanied by tambourines. What a procession. Too bad they soon forgot about his mighty deliverance. Instead of worshiping, a chorus of complaint rose up with every setback. Grumbling replaced gratitude, and they never walked into their destiny, the promised land. Sad. Yeah, yeah. They like the job you did, Jeremy. Good going. So how many people were there that went through the Red Sea? How many people? We don't know. We don't know. Some say 10,000, some say 500,000. Different experts give their shot at it to prove that there were X number, whatever it is. Let's say there were 100,000. How do you get 100,000 on a walk through a sea where you've got water down and you're, you're, uh, it's hard to walk? And you've got to keep your kids together. You know, they've got big families, and you're trying to keep your kids together, and you're trying to hurry at the same time because you know you've got an army, the most powerful army in the world, behind you, and you've got to get moving. Well, they made it to the other side. They look back. Here comes the army. They're afraid. And then what happens? The water comes back, and they see this mighty miracle. And so to hold on to that, sometimes music helps us hold on to a miracle. We sang some, and, and you, you read some of the words, and you sing some of the words of that, and you might remember something in your life. I've done that before, and I know you have too. So I want to I try something with you, because it said Moses and they all sang. How did they sing? Did they know the song? Because they just made it up. So what do you do and, whoops, in a situation like this? Is this on or is this off? It's off. Okay. I'm going to turn it on. Does it come on pretty fast? On the left, on the back side. Okay. So you're going to sing with me. I'm going to lead you in a song. And I'll sing a phrase, and you sing a phrase, okay? This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Sing, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. me. This is the day that the Lord hath made. That's what I think happened. 
I think Moses probably said, hey, I'll sing the first line, and then you sing after me. And so it was a trumpet. It was a blaze. And they were rejoicing. They were excited. God just kept them alive. It was wonderful. Then after they did their thing, it was a long, it was 15 verses here, or more than that. 18 verses. That's quite a song. Then Miriam gets an idea. She grabs her tambourine. The ladies must have made them, or they, their husbands made them, and they grab the tambourines, and the women, I don't know how many, 10,000? Started dancing around, take the same, the first part of the Moses song, and they were celebrating. Quite a way to say thank you. We said thank you this morning by singing. We said, thank you, God. You're wonderful. Think about it now. How has God used music in your life to say thank you? Are there things that you have responded to that were pretty important in your life that you said thank you to? Come to the mic and share them with us. Or if something happened and, and you had a, a time for gratitude. Kind of ties along with this, but as we were worshiping, I think we're going into a season that can be so busy. It's busy for a good reason. I think we all try to focus on why we're doing Christmas and all of that, but it can really be in this productive, got to decorate the house, got to buy Christmas presents, got to wrap them, got to get to church, got to get to whatever rehearsal, Christmas plays, whatever it is. It's such a productive time that uh, we need to sit back and really remember why we're doing this but also along with that if anybody's like me and gets into that like goal-oriented productive phase god said this morning that worship is the most productive thing you can do oh. so i'll say that again worship is wow. the most productive thing you can do yeah it feels important and thank you to Roya and Aaliyah for helping us. We can experience worship as they're worshiping, as they're playing. Anybody else want to respond to, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to just share, it's easy to say thank you when we see it all come together, you know? That's such a response of thank you. But I remember years ago, it was a paradigm shift for me hearing Graham Cook give his whole reenactment of the big package that arrived at his house and he unpacked it and oh my gosh it's got this and this and this and bottom line it was a huge problem oh how exciting I've got this huge problem you know thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord you don't have any problems oh I'll share some of mine with you this is so exciting we haven't learned to thank the Lord before we see what we want to see and it hit me I was reading uh, in Exodus 13 we're talking about Exodus you know once they come through but he led them by a cloud and a pillar. He led them to the Red Sea. And letting that sink into me has helped get rid of some of the lies of the enemy that it's your fault you're here. You know, maybe God will step in and deliver you, but it's your fault. Well, no. They listened. They followed. And he led them to the Red Sea where there was no way they could do anything 
I want to learn to thank him when I see the Red Sea. And I don't know how to do that yet, but I'd really like to pursue what does God say about how do we thank him before we see the great, I mean, it's always great to thank, you know, we love it, but to thank him before we see the result just because he's God. How do we learn to do that? I don't know, but turn it into a prayer. Lord God, you are so great. You are mighty. We confess our short-sightedness. We have lost sight of your greatness and allowed the enemy to cloud our thinking with man's and the enemy's attempt to put a shadow over your glory. Lord, we want to see you in your fullness and your glory. So if we have allowed our eyes to shift down and have failed to look to the heavens, Lord, forgive us. And just as Karen talked about Sabina taking her face and cupping in her hands, would you just take our faces and lift them up to you? That when we see the glory and awe of your presence, we will walk in a continuous attitude of thankfulness and gratitude. We don't need to see the circumstances to determine our attitude of gratitude in Jesus' name. Good good word, and thank you. Thank you. Uh, Richard Wormbrandt, I believe, spent 14 years in prison. And part of that was with beatings. And that's why he couldn't wear shoes. And yet, they shone with the light of Christ through their uh, terrible, terrible suffering. So let's move on to the next one. Someone come to the mic and read about Hanah. Hen is the word for grace in Hebrew. And uh, God is Adonai. The Lord is gracious is probably the meaning of that. Anyone want to read it? Andrew, you get to. Congratulations. You got it right there. <laughs> Go for it. You got a nice tie on, buddy. Thank you. Um, Arrival Pinena, blessed with children for this from the same husband, cruelly mocked Hannah because because year after year she remained childless. On on one trip to Shiloh, Shiloh, she poured out her heart and Elah thought she was drunk. She explained why she was was troubled in spirit and Eli said that God would hear her cry. She convinced soon after she conceived soon after when her prized son Samuel was weaned. She she brought him to the temple of Shiloh and offered him to the Lord and to Eli. And she prayed, "My heart exalts the Lord; my horn exalts in the Lord. My Lord makes poor and rich, mis- and makes rich." He brings low and he exalts. He, she saw her boy once a year when he came to Elekana, made the trip to Shiloh, bringing a new robe each time. God blessed her with three 
more boys than two girls. Way to go, God. Way to go, Hannah. Way to go, Samuel. Okay. So, uh, I would say Elkanah did not do his job because he had two wives and one was picking on the other and he didn't stop it. He should have come, he should have said to Penina, you're out of here if you don't quit mocking her. And for some reason he didn't do it. He said, I'm more precious than 10. Well, come on, guy, do your job. So she was mocked for her barrenness as was another lady. Remember another lady that was mocked for her barrenness? What was her name? Sarah. Elizabeth. Elizabeth was. Yeah. So uh, she had it very tough, and she poured out her heart, and Eli thought she was drunk. And uh, she said, no, I'm not drunk. So can you hear her prayer? Can you see her prayer? Oh, she may have been speaking in tongues. She was just crying out to God. And Eli saw it clearly enough, said, go home, woman. God's going to answer your prayer. And he did. And here's the incredible thing. She is so grateful. She has waited so long, and now she gets a son. How long did he have her? Did he have the son? Three years. Or till he was weaned. Till he was weaned. Three, four, five, whenever. And then she... Torture. Pardon? Torture. It feels like it. Yeah. She gives that child to the Lord... And it says she lent him to the Lord. Well, he lived there the rest of his life. He, he was away from that family the rest of her life. So she really honored. She said, if I get him, I'll give him to you. She did. She kept her word. Did God give her any more? What? Three boys, two girls. So she had five. So she didn't have Samuel, but she had five. And uh, God, God blessed her, kept her uh, blessing. So what can, uh, what can we learn here? Is there a lesson that God teaches us about gratitude from reading about Hannah? Anything, have anything to share here? I'll say one, th yeah, Ruth, go ahead. Go. Uh, everything he gives us, we should uh, keep our hands open to give it back to him, like with the attitude that we're stewarding everything we have. It doesn't really belong to us. We're just to seeking to steward what we have obediently and keep it all like, well on said. the altar. Well said. Couldn't she have said, well, I, I prayed long enough. I, I should be able to keep him. And she could, have, she could have convinced herself that God really didn't say that. But you're right. She, she gave him back. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of the story um, with Abraham and Isaac. And it just seems so hard to finally receive something that you've longed for for so long and then to give it back to the Lord. Um, yeah, that just seems really, really difficult. So we can only do it like with him. Props to these people. That may be a topper. That may have topped her, her struggle because God was saying, put a knife to wow. him. Put him on the altar. 
He, well, he didn't say put a knife, he said put him on the altar. And he obeyed God, and he thought that meant that I'm going to kill him. That was a tough one. Yeah, it really makes you, right in front of your face, uh, what's number one in your life? It's a good check. It's a hard check. Yeah. Let's go on to number three. <clears throat> this David shared this at the end of his life. David was a fighter. Now, in order to know what kind of fighter he was, you have to go back and you got to read it. I read it and I, I uh, shook. I trembled as I thought of it. The number of times that his life was threatened. Ha anybody have their life threatened ever one time? Anybody ever had their life threatened? Okay, we had a couple. I never have, never come close. Do you know how many times David had his life threatened? I don't either. But multiple, multiple, multiple times. The first of which was when he was a young teenager. How old was he? We don't know, huh? We don't know exactly, but we have a pretty good idea because soldiers went to war when they're 20. So uh, Eliab, the oldest, was at, at war. Three of them were at war. That makes five left who are under 20. So if you count down uh, every year, can that happen? 19, 18, 17, 16, the youngest is David. David was no more than 15. He may have been 14 when he took on this eight or nine foot man. David, from the time he was a, a young guy, had it in his heart to be a fighter. And he was, his life was threatened countless times. And if you read what they did, they did incredible things. Three took on 30. It was common for them. David says to his buddy, you want to go down and take him? And they've got a, a group down there, and there's two of them, and there are Philistines down there. And the guy says, yeah. Let's go. So David saw God rescue him from incredible danger. And out of that, David, as you know, was a singer. He was called the sweet singer of Israel. And so he wrote these wonderful songs. His song is longer than Moses. This was 51 verses. Once David got a, got a song, <laughs> he, he, he really went for it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I don't need a mic. Can I break up with just a little lighthearted thing? Sure, but we'd like to get we'd we'd like you to for the audio. Sometimes we're not always uh, as grateful as we should be. There was a grandmother took her little grandson to the ocean, and they're, they're playing, and a huge wave came in, and grabbed the little boy and took him out in the ocean. She goes, oh, God, I need my boy back. Get that little grandson back, please. A giant wave comes in and sets the boy down right in front of her. She looks at him. She goes, uh, he had a hat. <laughs> so sometimes we're not always as great. <laughs> Anybody else? Let's, let's look at Solomon. What do you know about Solomon? Oh, did, some, yeah. did you have something? Well, I was just going to read it if you wanted Go to. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah? Can I have the mic? Yeah, go for it. Tell him. He's got it. 
I just wanted to, to point out the connection between the first two. We were talking about worship, and Sarah had that word about worship being the most productive thing. And if you look at David, he was a fighter. He was a fighter all his life. And although he did do a lot of physical battles, I would guess he spent more time worshiping than he did in physical battles. I would suspect so. And I would say that that was also fighting. A lot of that worship was also fighting. It was just fighting in a different way. Like yeah. when God told Jehoshaphat, send the band out first. Send out the praise team before the army. And yeah. God did the work through the worship. So I think sometimes worship is the most productive thing, and it is how we fight. I mean, especially nowadays, our, our enemies are not flesh and blood, right? We're not going to grab one of my swords and get out there, you know, and start going to work on folks because people aren't our enemy. You know, the enemy is spiritual. But the fight and the way to win uh, is worship. Much of the time, I think. Yeah, that's wonderful. And do you know that they had to pull David off the battlefield? When he was getting older, they were concerned that he might not be able to do as well. And they said, David, you're not going out anymore. They told the king, no more fighting because he had it in his heart. He was so confident in God that even while he was king, he would go out and fight. And they said, that's it. To Dave's point about the, uh, the, the worship and, and, and Sarah, I just love what you're saying how worship is so important. It makes me think of that verse, maybe you even said it, God inhabits the praises of his people. I mean, man, it's just like, draws them right there. I mean, it's, uh, I, I just love it that you brought that to mind, that uh, how important it is. It's not any waste of time. It's so valuable. I just love that. Thanks. So Solomon built up Jerusalem. It probably has never been surpassed in anything Hollywood has ever done. When you read about it, and then you see pictures describing what the temple looked like, it has never been replicated. The amount of money that was spent, the amount of money that he had, he was the richest man who has ever lived, probably by far, by far, by far, by far. It was, it was past the billions. It was probably into the trillions. All the gold that was given to him, other countries would come, and they would come and give him all these gifts. He would give them gifts. When they had the sacrifice at this time, uh, listen to how many they sacrificed. Uh, as he blesses the Lord, Solomon offered his peace offering to the Lord 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. That was in one, one period of time. And he wouldn't have counted that. He wouldn't have put that on his uh, financial sheet. That was nothing. So he was the wisest and he was the richest. I didn't even want to read the end of it. You know why? How could he do it? I read the Proverbs this last week. I was so blessed by his wisdom. And he talked about what he shouldn't have done. And then he does it. 
He got inspired by these people from other countries. And he took him in as his family. 700 wives. The idiot. It makes me angry now to read it. I don't want to go back. I, I, I'm uncomfortable now. Why did you say all those things? And then you don't do what you said. I'm, I'm sad for him. I suspect we will meet him in heaven. And uh, I'm going to have a talk to him. I'm going to say, that was dumb what you did. He went to Caesar. Pardon? He went to Caesar. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're saying a scripture without knowing it. Let him who stand. thinks that he stand take heed lest he fall. If he, let him who thinks he stand. I'm standing. Well, you better be careful. Let him who thinks. I, I'm, I'm, I'm locked in. Let him to. We can't imagine what happened to Demas because Demas was numbered among the apostolic band. In a couple of the letters, two of the letters of Paul, Demas is mentioned. And then he says, as he's about ready to end his life, he says, I'm done. I, I fought the good fight. I finished. I finished. I've already hit the tape. Then he says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. You idiot. You may be giving up eternity. How could he do that? I can't imagine what that meant to Paul. It broke his heart. Okay, moving into the New Testament. So, here's a lady who was called, what was she called? Elizabeth, the barren one. So all her adult life she suffers. The shame of barrenness. Today, that, that you don't, that, that shame is not experienced in the same way, as far as I know. I'm not a woman. I've never had children like that. I don't know. But uh, for, at that time, they made fun of her. They mocked people. And so, so she lived her whole life. And yet... When the Lord came to her and, and spoke the word, she believed it, and then she conceived and hid herself, as you know, for five months. Why did she hide herself for five months? Think. What? Why did she have to hide herself? Uh, is this a question, Yeah. Was it because what? if it didn't, if the baby didn't um, come full term, it would have been embarrassing? That could have been. I don't know. If she said after two months, guess what, ladies? I'm having a baby. And now they're talking to each other. Now she thinks as an elderly woman that she's going to have a baby. She wanted to wait till there's proof, is what I suspect. And she waits. And then she goes to Elizabeth. And they meet in the doorway. They hadn't seen each other. They meet in the doorway. And what 
does it. What does Elizabeth say? This shows how full of the Spirit she was during that time. She said, how can this be that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The Lord was in the womb maybe a few weeks and she catches it in the spirit. She was the first one to notice it and to say something oh, to the Lord. Yes, that's right. Incredible perception for someone who had suffered. She let her suffering do something for her because she was right on. And then Mary, teenager, I talked to some young adults two weeks ago, and I wanted to talk about them, talk to them, among other things, about get married. I said, because in, 19, in 2070, the average age for getting married was 21 point, it was either four or seven. The average age in 2016 was 26. It's, I said it's going up, or 22, two, uh, it's going up anyway, this way. And even back at 2070, that's it, uh, whatever it was. <laughs> Sorry about that, I messed up the, the years. Anyway, yeah, it, uh, it's, it's, it slowed down then. They were much younger when they got married early on in, in the biblical days and coming back. So. I want to hear more about 2070. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mary, we don't know how old she was. She may have been 15, may have been 18. Probably on the younger side is more likely. And she touched by the Holy Spirit, sp sings, speaks this Magnificat. You read it and you say, how could a 15-year-old come up with that in a moment, inspired by the Holy Spirit? God so powerfully moved on this girl's life so that she was so open so that he gave her his words and in a moment she speaks them out and people have been singing her hymn for 2,000 years, the Magnificat. They've been singing it for 2,000 years. What a, what a mighty thing God did and how Mary wonderfully responded to it. She embraced suffering. She had suffering all her life. Did they know about her in Nazareth? Did they know how she had her baby? They did know because they told Jesus, we were not born in fornication. Everybody knew Mary was not a pure woman. We know her. And so she lived with the shame of the greatest thing that ever happened to a woman. Suffering daily all her life. I want to thank her in heaven for her for her witness, her testimony. And uh, to back to Anne's point in connection with this, you know, 
it says she was blessed among all women. So the most blessed woman ever suffered her whole life. That's what you just said. That's right. And we, especially, I think, in our Western culture where we have so much, we tend to think blessed equals the kind of prosperity we want to see. Comfort, perfection, money, friends, whatever it is you want, that's what blessed equals. And it's not that blessing doesn't include that, but Mary was the most blessed, and she suffered like crazy and lost her son. So... I do think we have to reframe the biblical truth and get our minds to realize that blessing and suffering are not mutually exclusive. In fact, the more blessed you are, the more you will suffer for Christ's sake. And Jesus promised us that, of course. In this world, you'll suffer because of me. And that's, it, it's weird to us because we don't want that to be the case. <laughs> we desperately want to say, no, if I'm blessed, everything will be perfect. And if I'm not blessed, I did something wrong, which is what they thought about Elizabeth. She's not blessed with a baby, therefore she did something wrong. So it's okay to mock her and ridicule her endlessly. Not a lot of kindness there. That's a problem. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think we need to think more about that. And I, it's important. Two women, the most powerful union of two women ever, ever in history, where two women come together, both of them prophesy, both of them lost their sons, one and only son, to a violent death. We don't know if Elizabeth was alive. She probably wasn't alive to know about that. It would have crushed her heart, but Mary was alive. In fact, she ended up on the day of Pentecost. She was with the Pentecost people. So she was there to see her son, the promised son, crushed, suffering. They go together, folks. And if we can embrace them, we'll, we'll finish up with Paul here. Let, uh, Paul embraced it. And so he was able to, as he started Philippians, he, they, they were his favorite people. Corinthians weren't, but uh, the Philippians were. And he said, I thank my God in every remembrance of you all. And I'm confident in this, that he has begun a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on, he says, uh, I want to tell you that what has happened to me has really served to advance the cause of the king. It's really served. What had happened to him? What happened to him? He was in jail. He was in prison. So that it has become known, listen, to the whole praetorian guard, who are they? They are paid soldiers, paid twice as much as any other soldiers because they were well-trained killers, and they, uh, the emperors would curry their favor because they had to have the imperial guard behind them in order to do what they were doing. And so this 10,000 soldiers, Paul said, it has become known to the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. How do you figure that? I suspect that Caesar said, we don't want this guy doing his own thing. We'll put the imperial guard in charge of him. That's what I suspect. And so one by one, for every four or six hour shift, a different praetorian guard, imperial guard, it says different things in your Bible, that's the same thing. They were uh, chained to Paul. Well, 
Do you know anything about Paul? In a, in a course of four, four or six hours, he could say quite a bit. And the guy's chained to him. Where's he going to go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so they start talking about this crazy little skimp of a man. And they find out that he's telling them the same story. And it becomes believable. And they come to Jesus by the hundreds and maybe thousands. God's plan for winning the Praetorian Guard. Put him in prison with Paul. Is Paul grateful? Yeah. He says, whether by life or my death, it's okay. Whether I live or die, here am I. And at that point, he wasn't saying, my time is up. He said, I'm, I'm going to get out. He did. Because I have more work to be done. He knew he did. So, a grateful man, though suffering. And so, Father, I pray that we, in the midst of difficult times, can, the song will still rise and maybe even more beautiful, more glorious, more triumphant in the midst of our sorrows. We pray that you would use our sorrows. Pray that you'd use the, the things that we go through that are hardship or an embarrassment to us, but that you would have your way in our life and that we would be seen to be triumphant people like Paul, who said, doesn't matter, life or death, it's all the same. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, I do. And then I want to say something about something here. Thank you for the food that we share together. I thank you that food is good, that some people take things and they're not tasty to them, but they have to eat them to stay alive. But we, every meal is a good meal. And so thank you, God, for this good food that we'll eat together and share together. Thank you for all your good gifts, one of which is food. And we bless one another in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let me say something about this. I decided to put together messages that I've preached and studies that I've done into a book. I got the help of somebody from Bethany Fellowship, although I paid for it, Bethany didn't. I published this myself. I uh, put it together. Uh, so it's about Christmas, and it tells the stories of Elizabeth and Mary and Simeon and others. And I got them two days ago, and I was very excited. I sat down and I read the book. I really did. I read it through from cover to cover. I said, wow, this is a good book. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure. I found a couple typos, which you know, you're going to find if you do it yourself. But uh, all in all, I think it'll bless you. Here's what I'm willing to do. I, because there's a lot of red and it's, it's special print, it cost me more. So I, I ordered 300 books and I paid so far $3,000. So that's $10 and I can break even. I'd like to give them to Lydia House if you agree to bring them to people who will pay you $10 for them. So I won't get all my money back, but I'll get some of it back.
So I've got books over here. If you want to take one, you're welcome to take it. I still want you, I want to know where they go. Uh, put down the number that you take because I have to keep track of them. And this is going to be hard for me, Nate, because I'm, I, I don't operate that way typically. I need help to, uh, for things like that to, to stay in place. But I'm going to try to do it. So I've, I've got family members. I've got pastor friends. I've got um, others, churches that I've been to. I've spoken to them, and they've said, send us 25 or, or whatever. So I'm out and about now. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be uh, doing mailing. If any of you have a desire to uh, help me uh, some afternoon or some evening, I'm gonna, this week I'm going to send out most of those 300 books. So if you're getting bored and you want to come over, then uh, you can help. Any questions about this? On the back of it says, Blessed Christmas, Paul and Karen. I, she liked that. So, I mean, it's, it's uh, Amy Coons did the unwrapping Christmas, and then we unwrap it, and by the end, you've got a full tree. So, I mean, it's just really, I think, well done. So I'm, I'm happy to be able to talk to you about it. So it's over there. We're going to be using that table for eating, but if we just hold, keep those on that table, uh, then people can pick them up and write. So if you, if you give, it, give it to somebody. Yeah, yeah. You can give it to them, but then you owe me a $10. You understand? Uh, you, get, you get one free, but then if you just choose to give them away as gifts, then... <laughs> It's either me giving a gift or you giving a gift. Tell me if I'm giving you them a gift, too. Okay, I got you. Uh, is the food ready, or are we, uh, do we need to hold off for a little while yet? <laughs>